Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Thomas here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls, and I'm going to kick it off by discussing Mark Eversley's interview recently. You know, he just, you know, likes to say you know a lot, and uh, someone should really, you know, get him to stop doing that through the interview process, especially if you, you know, are going to be in this public-facing role all the time in in speaking. But uh, the one thing I thought was maybe most interesting about the interview was he was discussing Otto Porter a little bit, and he mentioned that Otto Porter is in great shape, seems to be slimmed down, and is a full participant in everything they're doing. I think that's maybe a really good sign for Bulls fans and maybe the one tangible thing we could take from that. Not so much that I believe in any of these hype things where they talk about, oh, everyone is in the best shape of their life and their offseason and whatever. Like, that's definitely something that happens with every player. But with Otto Porter, we have seen, uh, he definitely looked like he was out of shape last year, looked uh, a little overweight, uh, maybe bulked up too much uh, and maybe not the, the best way. And so this year, at least that he seems to be slimmed down and, and seems to be in the, the few little video leaks we've seen to be slimmed down a, a little bit and that he's a full participant where this guy has not been able to be healthy or do a bunch of stuff. I think that at least is one encouraging sign. Um, the other thing that kind of came out of this was, you know, they, they talked about like what his role is going to be. And I don't think he really had a good good answer uh, to, to that. You know, him and Arturis are going to go through stuff, you know, together. He doesn't seem to have a lot of uh, specific responsibilities. And I kind of think Eversley's main role here after hearing this interview is going to be in how he can connect with players and free agents and sell the franchise and be this guy who can connect with those types of guys. I think that's going to be a big piece of of what he does is that relationship building between guys and and selling them and being able to close the the deal in in terms of stuff like that. And I think that'll be... uh, probably what his main role was. Uh, definitely discussed how aggressive he thought Arturis was when they were getting Billy Donovan. I thought that was you know, something we, we clearly knew already, but uh, he you know, really went out of his way to, to talk about how, how aggressive Arturis uh, is when he sees someone he wants and, and was willing to close the deal and also doubled down on just the front, or the, should say the ownership being great to work with, putting no restraints on them giving them all the resources they need to make things better. Again, good signs, but this is all the type of stuff you hear every offseason when it's a love fest because there's never actually anything going on. And of course, everyone is great when you're not trying to win games and you're not losing games and you know, you're know you hopeful about the start of the next season and whatnot. So you can kind of take all of this with a grain of salt. The Bulls hired a new athletic trainer. We knew they let go uh, Tanaka a while back. I think that's fine. There's no, I mean, obviously they're going to hire someone new. There's no reason to be excited about this, in my opinion. I don't think the Bulls had the types of injuries where, like, an athletic trainer was going to make a big difference. They didn't have all these use injuries where guys were just worn out. You know, they have, like, crazy injuries, like they jump up and, you know, smash their uh, elbow when they land wrong or, you know, break a thumb on the rim or whatever. Like, it's just like they're not doing the kinds of things that I think are going to be improved by having a better athletic trainer out there that said... You know, the guy we had was there for, God, what was Tanaka there for, like, 20 years or something? Like, just bringing in someone new who's got new ideas. I, I think everyone reaches an expiration date with their job, even if they're good at it, where you just need to bring in someone who can do new things for you, bring in new ideas, come in with fresh eyes. And, you know, when you've been at a job for a long time, you become de-energized after a while. You know, you've been doing the same thing for so long, and you get caught in the same patterns. So, you know, it's good for people as well to, to switch jobs even as much as it is the company to do so. So, you know, overall good change, but nothing you should get overly excited about. In my opinion, I don't think the Bulls are going to be 
necessarily any healthier or unhealthier because of this change. Hopefully they'll just be healthier because they have fewer fluke injuries. I mean, it seems like we're due to have a generally healthy season. So that would be the best news that Bulls fans could hear. And so for the rest of the show, I'm going to kind of start breaking down the NBA draft and go through some of the draft prospects. I'm going to start with you know, the guys that are kind of mocked towards the top of the draft and, and give you my feeling on them. And so we're going to start with Anthony Edwards. And watching Edwards, what stands out is this guy can kind of create his shot in all three levels. Uh, very athletic, he's prototypical shooting guard. He's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got the athleticism. Uh, you know, he could create his shot. He takes all kinds of very high degree of difficulty shots, step back threes, the stuff that is going to translate to the NBA immediately. And so that's very appealing. You know, he seems a little bit lazy sometimes. I don't know that he's going to be a guy who has this high motor, but I think that's something that sometimes when guys get to the next level that they can develop if they don't always have it. He's not, he's not awful or anything, but like I think uh, that's something he could maybe work through and become really good. There's clear reasons why people would say this guy has superstar potential. He's got you know, a very well-refined skill set, and he's already doing things, like I said, step-back threes, taking these crazy shots that you're going to see people like James Harden do. And so the downside to all of this, watching Anthony Edwards play, though, is that his shooting percentages are so low. His shot selection is terrible. He does stupid things like, yeah, he watched some tape. And if you were to put a mixtape together of Anthony Edwards' best plays, he would look like a freaking superstar. Like, he would look just absolutely unbelievable. But then you look at his overall percentages, and it's like 30% or so from three, 40% from the field. These are like really low percentages. Like, you don't see guys who have these like low percentages actually become good NBA players so often. Like, there's one of the big criticisms of Marquise Teague when we drafted him is, yeah, he, at his best, he looks like he's got all these skills, but he can never apply them in such a way that he's actually an efficient offensive player. And Edwards isn't that bad. He's not at, like, a Teague level of inefficiency offensively, but he's definitely not an efficient offensive player. And so there's actually, to me, quite a bit of risk with Edwards, even though he has all of the physical tools you want. It's just, can this guy yeah, ever put these things together in a way uh, that becomes an efficient, consistent manner. And if this was a stronger draft, I think he would be pretty far down the list because of these inconsistencies. But as it goes, Anthony Edwards has an excellent chance of being the number one pick in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, he, he definitely has prototypical you know, wing player skills and size and athleticism. And the potential is definitely sky high there if he's able to put things together. And so I think he still sits on the top of my draft board but I'm a little bit back and forth on him because the next guy I'm going to talk about, James Wiseman, I think might actually be the number one guy on my draft board. And if not, he's definitely number two. And if he's sitting there for the Bulls at number four, which some people suspect he will be, then I think I would take him. Now, the problem with Wiseman, of course, is he got kicked out of Memphis for illegal benefits because of some BS reason that Anthony Hardaway gave him money like four years ago. And when he wasn't even the coach of Memphis, but became like, it's like, all right, fine. And it, there probably was something under the table there, but just, you, you know, you feel like there's all this crap we found out. Like everything is illegal in college sports anyway. So sucks for him that he had to give up playing, but we didn't get to see a lot of him for that reason. So his, his numbers were off the charts in a few games he played against very poor competition. So you can't take too much from that. But when you look at Wiseman, he basically has everything you would need to be a dominant center in the NBA. He's the athleticism is tremendous athlete. He's seven, two, he's got the height. Like he's, he's got everything you need to be a prototypical super stud center. So this guy could be like the next bam Adebayo. Like he could be a tremendous defender. He's going to help you out in that. He's going to be a tremendous rebounder. He has a pretty decent post game from what it looks like his jumper range, probably only mid range, not going to step out to three. Maybe at some point he'd develop that, but I don't even care if he does. 
but he has, he has the offensive game you need. He has the defensive game you need. He has the athleticism you need. He has the size you need. He has everything you need to be one of the best centers in the NBA. And so when I look at a guy and I say my confidence level of this guy actually being a great player at his position, Wiseman is the one guy I feel the most confident in him doing that. And the reason why I say I still might take Edwards over him, even though I feel a lot more confident in Wiseman, is just because the positional value of center just feels so low compared to the positional value of getting a, a, a tremendous wing player. But I would probably still take Wiseman uh, certainly at four. I, I don't think Edwards is going to be available for us. If he is, I'd take him. Wiseman might be available for us just for that reason. People just don't want to take a center because centers aren't impacting the game in the same way that they used to once upon a time. People aren't going into the low post. You're not going to get efficient offense there. And, you know, if you're the Bulls, the one downside to that is you look at, well, what is he going to really give me that Gafford and Carter don't give me necessarily? And, yeah, you know, you got two pretty good defensive big men back there. Uh, you got some athleticism back there. Yeah, maybe Edwards gives you a little bit more post game, but is that really where you're going to go? You know, like that's that's maybe the downside is like, yeah, he's going to be better than these guys, but is he so much better that it's worth taking him? And I think the answer to that is yes. You know, if he can become someone like a Joel Embiid or a Bam Adebayo, and I know that's like high high bar to set for this guy, but he definitely has the potential to be one of these types of guys, and he has everything he needs in that package to be one of these types of guys, and so I would I would probably go with him, and the reason is just because everyone else is so high risk. So the next guy that comes up in all these mock drafts is Lamelo Ball, typically coming in at number three. And so watching LaMelo, I'm, I'm just confused as to why this guy is so high. I think I might be on my just don't draft LaMelo Ball bandwagon, you know, regardless. I don't think I'd take him at four. The reason I consider it is just because I'm not sure who else is going to be available at four. That seems really exciting to take. And so if you don't really have another choice that's better than maybe LaMelo ends up fitting, fitting into that mix. But when I look at LaMelo, I'm like, why is he going to be better than Lonzo Ball? I, I don't know that he has, you know, better athleticism. Uh, I don't know that he really has better skills. His shot is just completely jacked up form-wise. Someone has got to completely break it down to zero and then rebuild it. And I, I don't know. Can you think of any guys that have done that, that have come into the league with just awful, awful, awful form and then, like, rebuilt their shot into becoming a good shooter? Like, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that. Like, there isn't. There, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that. But I just can't think of, like, any success stories where that's worked out. So, you know, it, what's his upside? Lonzo Ball, Ricky Rubio... You know, like one of those types of guys, just an unbelievable passing vision, amazing passer, but someone who's not ever going to be a shooter. I don't know, like I, he didn't really light it up in the G League, uh, you know, so it's hard to see him coming into the NBA and making an impact right away. Uh, defensively, I don't expect much out of LaMelo Ball. I don't think he's going to give you a whole lot on that end. Average athlete, not like a a guy who's an exceptional athlete, you know, I think he could be a good role player. You know, if you had Ricky Rubio, you'd probably be pretty happy with that, you know, as your starting point guard, but you wouldn't be a team you could build around that with. And I think LaMelo Ball is going to be one of those types of guys. I, I think the value of a non-shooting point guard is also just much, much less in the modern NBA than it was like three, four or five years ago. Someone like Rajan Rondo, maybe another example, great, you know, Rondo is actually a great defender though. And, and LaMelo isn't, but you know, great passing vision guy. Like that type of play, still valuable, but not not as valuable as it once could be. And I think Lamelo is going to be in that that mold. So when I start looking at like who is his comparable, you know, like I'm I'm thinking like you know just named like James Harden. If I'm Anthony Edwards, I named you know Bam Adebayo or Joel Embiid. If I'm James Wiseman, and when I'm thinking Lamelo, I'm thinking Ricky Rubio or Lonzo Ball or Rajon Rondo. Like 
you know, like that's his comparable if things work out. And that's just not a exciting comparable to have like it, with your upside, if things work out and if they, they don't work out, it's like, what do you have? You know, it's like the guy who's a good passer. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, but doesn't do these other things you need. Like I, I just, the non-defensive version of Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio with bad defense. I, I just like, I don't know how exciting that is. So it's just uh, it's just one of those things. I think I'd probably pass on Lamelo for that reason. But definitely, you know, it, it's so weird. It's so weird. How did how did Lavar Ball train these guys to be off the charts, like passing vision guys? Like his kids are all tremendous team players and passers, and they can't shoot. Like it's so much harder to learn how to be that than it is to learn how to be a shooter. Like I, I just don't know how you pulled that off. That's it's like so nuts. It's so nuts. I don't I don't know what happened there. But either way, so Lamelo Ball often mocked at three. I think there's a good chance he's going to drop like a rock, uh, and uh, you know go go from there. And then we have Denny Avija. So Avija is kind of getting a little bit of that uh, Luka Doncic type. You know, he he definitely has a, a tremendous European resume. One of the stronger European resumes to come over. Not Luka Doncic strong, but still a very strong European resume. Uh, the one thing that maybe makes me most excited about Denny is that when he came back from the COVID break, uh, he actually shot like 40% from three. And his percentage from three in the Israeli league is actually pretty high. The, the line in the European leagues is actually further back than the college line. So I think he definitely has legit NBA range. What makes me a little bit concerned is that his form is not always quite so consistent. Uh, he was very low shooting in the EuroLeague. His free throw percentage is low. That is a sign that maybe he's not going to be a great shooter. Uh, a little bit one-handed as a driver. I, I get a little concerned about that, but he's a still a very good ball handler, uh, very versatile, has a lot of different pieces to his game. I, I make him out to be, let's say, Danilo Gallinari is my comparison for him as a player and I think that's you know it's a good player I think that's who kind of he is I don't see him being a superstar I think he can be solid defensively uh, has good instincts on that end and he's got good size and height to be a shot blocker a little bit probably is someone you're gonna have to play at the four I mean I don't know if he's gonna be a three for you I, I think he could be a very good player though but he could be maybe a three in a in a big lineup for like you know different periods of time. Defends who's sitting next to him defensively. I, I get a little concerned, especially early in his career. He might get blown up a little bit too much at the three athletically. But uh, I think I think he's got a lot of very versatile skills, a lot of versatile talent, can do a lot of things, very good court vision, good ball handling. Uh, he's got a game that looks like with some refinement, you know, he can score at all three levels at the NBA most likely. He'll probably I have some faith he'll learn to be a decent shooter I, I could see him having a decent mid-range pull-up game he can get to the rim at times and I, I think he'll be a pretty solid player but there's some risk there that he's just not good enough at anything that it's going to pan out for him like some of these guys who are like show decent skills at everything but aren't good enough at anything and they don't have that athletic profile that you know screams off the charts to you they just they get one level up athletic wise and then they just just can't bring it anymore and there, there's that risk with Denny that maybe his skill level isn't high enough and his athletic level isn't high enough that he becomes this good player. But I think I have a pretty good level of confidence that he's going to be a good player in the NBA. I don't think he'll be an elite player, but I think he'll be a good player. I think he'll be a, a starting caliber uh, player in the NBA. And so those are probably my top four picks, I think, right now. And I would place them in the order of Edwards, then Wiseman, then Denny, and then LaMelo Ball. And, you know, I'll maybe try and review a few more draft prospects. I didn't want to 
cut, cut all of them <laughs> into one thing. So I'll probably keep this format of doing a little bit of Bulls updates and then going through a few draft prospects uh, every episode for the next few episodes until we get maybe through the top 12, 15 different prospects. I actually think looking at everyone in this draft so far, this is an outstanding opportunity for the Bulls to trade down. Uh, the, the difficult thing with trading down is you got to figure out who would you trade down with, who actually wants to trade up, and I'm not sure that there's anyone so excited about trading up into the bull spot. It does depend a little bit who's there at four because there's so much uncertainty in who gets drafted. You know, There could be a team that loves Denny or that loves LaMelo or loves Wiseman, whoever's there, and they'll be willing to trade up and give you something for it. And I think the type of trade-up you got to be looking for is you're trading down to like 7 to 10 range, and then you're getting a future pick for next year. Uh, the team that has multiple picks in this draft and then their highest pick is the Celtics, which is 14, and they have multiple first-rounders. There's no one else who has multiple first-rounders in this draft and has a pick lower than 14. So I don't think you're going to trade back to 14 for the Celtics' uh, other picks, which I think were, were pretty late. It's like maybe 22 and 28, or I, I made those up, but it's like late 20 picks. Uh, so I don't think like, there's enough, even if the Celtics gave you all three of their firsts, to move back to 14 in this draft, especially because... I don't know that you want to take three young guys in this draft. Now, if you could do that and then you could package one of those later firsts uh, to get someone's first rounder in the future, you know, maybe something like that makes sense. Or you package two of their firsts for another first in the future, you know, something like that. I think, I think what you ultimately want to do coming out of this draft, if you trade down, is you get another pick, maybe in the top, you know, 13, 14, and then you get a pick next year that projects to be you know, maybe it can be lotto protected, but projects to be like at least a mid first rounder, not, not lower than 20. Now, of course you take some risk that it might be, but you take a pick that you expect to be in the 10 to 20 range, uh, next year. Uh, when you trade down, I think that's the type of move I would look to make, be willing to trade out of this draft overall. And I think we'll talk about some ideas that the bulls could trade out later with some different star players that might be available. Anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the bulls beat. You can Reach me on Twitter, Doug underscore Tonus, or the Real GM Message Forums, and I will talk to you guys very soon.